This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Beat me up on the mamas of all mama shit. Hey, I'm looking through my telescope and I see a mothership. Is that you? Beat me up. Hey, DA, I'm thirsty, man. Can you beat me up for a cold one? Hey, DA, what's going on, baby? Stop me off and beat me up. DA wants to steal Oh, permission to get in that mothership. Is my window seat still available? Beat me up. What's going on, DA? Hey, man, I need you to do me a huge favor. My co-worker's a jerk. Oh, just beat me up, man. Get beamed up. Everyone else has. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. I think it's Monday. I think it's hour two. It's definitely a DA show on CBS Sports Radio. All across this fine country on our affiliates, the Odyssey app, CBS Sports app as well, Sirius XM Channel 158. Good morning to everybody. It's Bogish in for DA. EJ is the producer this morning. Pete on the wheels of steel, playing music, changing time. I don't know what. Emmanuel's here as well. Intern Brooke was here. She's now left in a statement about hour number one of the show in which we discussed running backs who want to get paid again or for the first time, having a conference call over the weekend, trying to figure out how to trick GMs and owners into writing bigger checks for them. We heard DK Metcalf's three-bag-of-candy daily habit during sound check. In this hour, we get a health check on Jimmy G's left foot. He apparently is good to go with those Vegas Raiders. And I take you inside multiple Fenway Park bathrooms from the Red Sox-Mets game on Saturday. We'll do that this hour as well. We begin, though, with the Detroit Lions. As popular as anybody especially in the NFC, looking for trendy picks. You want to be smart. You want to be early on the bandwagon. The Lions are your team here in 2023. Surprisingly good year ago. I was absolutely one of the people who thought there was too much Dan Campbell, needed to see them actually do things on the football field to back up all of the craziness, biting kneecaps and whatever his, remember his crazy, like double venti eight shot, sugar caffeine overload Starbucks order. We did that on the show as well. There was a lot of non-football Dan Campbell. When the football started, the Lions were pretty, pretty good. In particular, Jared Goff playing the best football, arguably, of his career. And now we've had an offseason of draft picks and roster changes. And right now, as the Lions begin training camp, there are too many people being too nice to the Lions, Dan Campbell would like you to stop. He doesn't want to hear it anymore, and he's making sure his guys are not listening too intently to all of this conversation. But the NFL knows it. The Lions are one of the two teams we are going to see first this year. They're going to Arrowhead in that first Thursday night. They've got three or four other national TV games on the schedule right now because it makes sense. Because in the NFC North, 
There's no longer Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. The Vikings are an odd team. They are certainly worse without Dalvin Cook on offense. Justin Jefferson's fantastic. We are, by the way, living in a tiny bit of a Kirk Cousins renaissance. And we've touched on this a little bit, but not as much as other places. Kirk Cousins comes across fairly well in this Netflix quarterback documentary. I've only seen the first episode, and I think maybe the first 10 minutes of the second one, and it makes you like Kirk Cousins. And he's still Kirk Cousins in the documentary. I mean, he still is Ned Flanders. Heidly help. One of the first hey, things they talk about is his wife laying out his game day clothes. And whether it's from L.L. Bean or Eddie Bauer or Patagonia, and they're sitting in the back after a game, you know, Sunday night after a game, guys are going to fancy restaurants, going to nightclubs, having fun. And Kirk Cousins is back at home creating a bonfire with his family and gets a little kind of singe mark on his favorite sweatshirt, and he's all heartbroken that, well, I guess this is now my bonfire sweatshirt because he can't Purple wear grapes. it. But all of a sudden you go, I kind of like Kirk Cousins. He, the video, the, the, the show confirms all the corny things that bothered us, but it makes you actually like him this time. So I want to see how much that pays, plays out over the season as he's throwing to Justin Jefferson, handing off to other guys. I got nothing on their defense, but they're not as good as the Lions. The Packers aren't as good as the Lions. The Bears certainly aren't as good as the Lions. The Lion conversation is you got to win this NFC North this year. And then figuring out where they fit uh, with the other good NFC teams outside of that division. It's a fair conversation. It's a legitimate conversation. And, you know, they've made some changes. Their running back position is completely different. DeAndre Swift's gone. Jamal Williams is gone. They drafted Jameer Gibbs. They had a good draft. Jack Campbell's a player, a linebacker that a lot of people like. Sam Laporta might be their number one tight end right out of the shoot this year. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's now in their secondary in Detroit. And then there's Jared Goff, who, again, played as well as he ever had a year ago. He is still not going to be an elite, elite quarterback. He's still not going to be Kirk Cousins. But Jared Goff played the position well a year ago, well enough for them to kind of max out their potential. The question is whether or not, if the rest of the roster can go to the even next level, can Jared follow? We'll get partial answer on that this year but even the Lions know that's a question because they drafted Hendon Hooker he's older he's coming off an ACL so there were reasons not to take him any earlier by a different team but that's a good pick because he's got time to finish recovering he's got time to learn the NFL there's no pressure on Hendon Hooker to play immediately or anything close to immediately but that's a guy who could absolutely become your next quarterback after Jared Goff. But for now, Goff's the guy. And as good as he was last year, we go right back into the season with similar questions and then the different question of, all right, if this team is actually as good as some people think they are, and now we're comparing them to, say, the Niners, not just the NFC North or the Eagles, you know, they're in that group, not just picking the best of a crappy division or a you know, mediocre division of the NFC North, is Jared Goff good enough to keep the Lions hanging around a Jalen Hurts or a Brock Purdy-led offense in San Francisco against, or good enough to solve that Niner defense 
in a big possible spot. But that's the world the Lions live in now. And Dan Campbell's created that. And I completely understand why Dan Campbell is trying to slow that down because we've seen plenty of teams and plenty of sports be compromised and be hamstrung by expectations, valid expectations, or sometimes we get too carried away. I don't think we're carried away in picking the Lions to win the NFC North. Where you can get carried away is extend that conversation to the rest of the NFC. And like I just did, wondering where they stack up with the Niners and the Eagles, and they kind of just don't yet. We can't, they may change that conversation. They may force that conversation as the year goes on. But as the year begins, to me, they are the clear favorite in the NFC North. And I'm honestly not really sure of the argument for anybody else in that division. You know, the Vikings and the Packers come next, and the Packers are a complete unknown post-Aaron Rodgers, and they can do some things without Aaron or other than Aaron last year. That's a good defense, and there's obviously some talent in the backfield. They've got some young wide receivers that never fully, completely locked in with Rodgers, and maybe there's a different chemistry and different production with Jordan Love, but until we know what Jordan Love is, then the Packers are an unknown. And you can't tell me that they are better than the Lions. And the Vikings, even if we start to love Kirk Cousins all of a sudden, to me, they're still not the complete team that the Lions appear to be from a distance. So the Lions and the NFC North is the easy pick. It's where you go from there that is the question and where you should listen to Dan Campbell and pull it back just a little bit. But he's got to do this now. This is the other part of what he did in the buildup. Selling us on his guys. Selling us on his culture. Selling us on scheme and coaching staff. Those things played out even maybe better than he expected a year ago. And now he lives in a world where people want things from them. Where people expect things from them. And see what the best possible version of the Lions can be this year. So now he's got to go in the other direction and tell us that maybe we're getting too carried away and they're not just that good yet. But the problem for them, I guess, is in the NFC, it's really slim pickings. You've got the Eagles in the NFC East, obviously, and then varying opinions on the Cowboys, the Commanders, and the Giants. None of them, to me, can be called elite teams. The Cowboys want to be, but until they show us that they are week in and week out, I don't think you can call them that. In the South, I mean, best of luck down there, picking between the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. I mean, there are some intriguing individual things going on there. Rookie quarterbacks, rookie running backs, promising head coaches, projections for teams a year or two from now. I get all of that, but in the present of 2023 starting, there's not an elite team in that division right now. And then... In the West, the Niners are good. And the Seahawks are, you know, they're good too. I want to see them do it again as well. And, you know, Godspeed to the Cardinals figuring out what they are with a new head coach and with Kyler Murray moving his way back to full health. But if you're looking, this is not the AFC, obviously, and we're going to get to the Dolphins later in the show where they're one of almost almost too many good teams The Lions are one of only a handful of good teams, so they're going to get even extra attention right now. And it can absolutely get into players' minds, into players' ears, and it can 
make guys almost subconsciously relax just a little bit, but the Lions played with an edge last year, proving teams wrong, and the trick now for Dan Campbell is to kind of keep that same edge, even though no one's going to be surprised by the Lions putting points on the board or Aiden Hutchinson running over your quarterback and making a game-changing play on defense for them. Let's go back now. I want to do this to close out hour number one. We ran out of time. Now we've got plenty of time. Friday was an all-time show around here. We said goodbye to Sean, culminating a month of saying goodbye to Sean, a great week of final shows for Sean, special guests. Free food might have been the best part of the whole thing on multiple days. We ate well because Sean was leaving. And then Friday, we had to officially all say goodbye to Sean His mom and dad were here. His sister was here. Fudgy the Whale was here times two because Pete had the Marash family buy one to bring in. And then Greg Caserta, because he's a gentleman, brought one as well because he couldn't come empty-handed and he knew that Sean loved Fudgy, which I remembered post-show. One of the things that we probably should have squeezed in somewhere over the last month was the time that we celebrated Sean's birthday without Sean. And I mean this is a long time ago, but we had we had Fudgy the Whale for Sean while Sean was on vacation. It was hilarious. It was definitely mean. Balloons. There were balloons. Did we have Bobby Valentine on that week because when Bobby was banned for being mean to Sean? No, no, we did that. That was another time I think. Okay. We did a lot of I, I forgot which week it was. He was away. And we put on all the guests that he didn't like. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was that day though. It might have been. I'm not. I might be getting them mixed up. But, but that day was when uh, he who, he who shall not be named ate the fudgy the whale cake <laughs> on a cake camera, right. and and Cap right. ran a scroll of all of Moraz <laughs> facts underneath. That. So it was a really great experience for the listeners. Oh, we are horrible, horrible people. But. Friday, I guess I'm a horrible person. Um, Timbo Slice, who's at DA's 100 Pounds on Twitter, called me a serial killer. I didn't cry. I I don't cry. It's just not a thing that I'm going to do outside of, like, I didn't cry on my wedding day, and maybe that's a bad thing. I Pete definitely did. Oh, on what? what? Cried on your wedding day. Which one? <laughs> uh, Same cried. Crying for different reasons. Yes. No, Good the, cries the second time. On the real wedding day, yes, I did. So I'm just not a crier. Although Sean did get me at the end finally saying nice things about me in tears. That almost got me. Almost. I felt emotions for a moment in that scenario. And then we fought through them. Heartless. But the two things that have stood out for me all weekend, and I am not lying when I say that I laughed at these things multiple times in the three days since. One, again, is Pete's speech. And I'm glad that you guys all heard it too. Pete thanking Sean for all he's done for the network. As if he's Mr. Odyssey is an all-time thing. I I love it. Everyone made a big deal of it. I just... I just was thanking him because he was, as I said in my speech, he was a part of this whole network from right. the beginning. No, and it, it again, it's just, it, it perfectly encapsulated you, which is why I, I wasn't, I'm not, I liked it. I appreciate it because it was you mm-hmm. because you mean it. 
because this place cares. You care about this place. It matters to you. So it matters to you that Sean has been here and done good things. So A, you had the feeling. B, you put it in your in your goodbye speech to him. It was just it was perfect. It was exactly what needed to be said. Thank I you. I um I wish that I had delivered my speech as well as you did yours. And so that was that was my one favorite part. My second favorite part, it, I, and I saw it all morning long. Intern Anna was here on Friday. <laughs> yes. And she sat in the chair that Brooke wasn't a minute ago. And again, this is a four-hour show of memories, emotion, laughing, parents sitting in the front row, going a decade of memories, decade of the buffoon, half year of the buffoon. Other people were coming in to look at the show and watch. There was so much going on. There was so much emotion. It may be the most significant show in DA history. And she sat there and did not react to anything. Had her phone out. And I, uh-huh. of course she should. We're strangers to her. She's a 20-whatever-year-old college student hoping we don't ask her to cut tape or whatever. But she sat back there as the perfect counterbalance to all of the idiocy and emotion that we had going on. If she was the audience, it was the worst show ever right. because she had no reaction. <laughs> no reaction. And, and you couldn't <laughs> not see her because she was right on Sean's hip the whole time, basically sitting next to him as if nothing was going on. Like it was a regular show. It was remarkable. I, I, I didn't get it. <laughs> I did not get it at all. Well, but just I think, though, say, if, would... you were the, if you were her, if you were interning, like I interned on a show in Boston, and if that show was like saying goodbye to one of their men, members on my one of my intern Fridays, you were going to get a reaction out of me. I have no emotional connection out of those those but doofuses, be, just like she doesn't hear. I would be engaged in the in the conversation. I, mean, uh, I don't you, know. You know, it's there's something significant going on, and if you're an intern, that's that's how I would. Do. If I was an intern and I was in that same spot, I would be engaged in what was happening. But isn't isn't it kind of like being invited to a wedding as a plus one, and you don't know anybody there? Like it's I've a tough been sell, there. Right? Like, I've been at a wedding. Yep. where like. I'm at a wedding, it's my girlfriend's friend, and somehow I'm sitting in this spot and it's the groom and the best man who are not friends with my girlfriend talking about how great their life was and all the memories and yep. how everything's going to be great now. And I'm sitting there being like, do you really want me here? Like, should I be a part of this conversation? Like, I can leave. Like, I just I go for a walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, you guys can talk about this on your own. Like, I feel like I can understand from that regard. Well, yeah. that's, where, that's where I would... I would grab it part of the bar and just and just sit there the whole night. Right. I I just it's amazing to me that maybe my number one memory from that show that will always be in my head. I might forget her name, but I'm always remember when we talk about that show, it will always come to mind immediately that she sat back there like nothing was happening for four hours. Then walked out. <laughs> and it was gone. She didn't even stay for pizza. She night. She she left earlier than you would normally leave. That's right. <laughs> 9.57. She was the first one out the door. Good for her. I don't know how you have no reaction to anything. I mean, some things at least were funny. Yeah, at least, at least <laughs> have a chuckle. You didn't need the context no. to laugh at the year buffoon. <laughs> well, at least acknowledge our existence. <laughs> uh, 
So Jimmy Garoppolo, we believe, passed his physical yesterday, finally in Vegas. You may remember that he didn't pass it when the Raiders signed him this offseason. That uh, reconfigured signing bonuses and whatnot and guaranteed money. But as far as we know now, as of yesterday, the left foot injury that ended his last Niners season is good to go. So Jimmy G is on board. Uh, he now gets all of his money as a salary. And I think a lot of it, if not all of it, now guaranteed locked in because he passed his physical yesterday. But now that he does that, we figure out where the Raiders go from there with or without Josh Jacobs. And again, later this hour, I'll take you inside multiple Fenway bathrooms from my weekend in Boston. All of that sort of come hour number two of the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the DA Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew Bogish in for DA. EJ's with me the entire week. Pete's here until he wants to be, which is, I, I think, roughly through Wednesday. Emmanuel is on updates. Right. Emmanuel is on updates today. You'll get Custard. You'll get Swartz. I think there's a CeeLo day this week as well. It's a cast of thousands right. this week here on the DA Show. Uh, the namesake is on vacation this week. He and I, though, are going to tape the PGP side A uh, after today's show, while Friday's extravaganza is still fresh in our minds. And then I'm looking for a side B guest. And I'm looking right at Pete right now. I don't, he's just waves. I don't know if that means he'll, he'll do it or he's waving me off. But somebody will join me at least this week on side B of the PGP. Maybe we'll do that as early as tomorrow and get it out to you as soon as possible. Uh, as we go again, go back through Friday's show. Phone lines open at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Keep those tweets coming as well, at Andrew Bogish, at Pete the Body uh, on Twitter. So again, Jimmy Garoppolo is finally done in San Francisco. Niners thought about it, tried to move on, couldn't. He was their quarterback last year after the quick injury to Trey Lance, and then Jimmy gets hurt again. So in comes Brock Purdy, and the Niners almost make the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy under center. So now Jimmy G is officially gone, no more contract. He moves on. Who's going to sign him? Multiple quarterback needy teams. Raiders get rid of Derek Carr, and in comes Jimmy Garoppolo. And then we find out that as he went into Vegas, the left foot injury that ended that season with the Niners 
wasn't all the way better just yet. It was still an owie for Jimmy Garoppolo. So what was an $11 million signing bonus was never actually given to Jimmy G after failing that initial physical. It was just kind of held in limbo until he passed a physical, which he reportedly did yesterday as rookies and injured players reported to Vegas for training camp. I believe Wednesday is their first official practice which means we are roughly 24 to 36 hours away to getting some kind of answer from Josh Jacobs. But as far as Garoppolo goes, and I, I've actually defended Jimmy, I think, more than a lot of people, maybe more than he deserves. I think there's a good quarterback in there. And we've seen a good quarterback in there from Garoppolo. The problem is, A, staying healthy, and B, how many games in a row can he be a good quarterback? And I guess kind of like the Jared Goff conversation from last segment, Jimmy's good enough to an extent. At some point, everybody else gets better, and Garoppolo is already maxed out, hit his ceiling, and he can't keep going with the rest of the organization. You know, he worked in San Francisco because of the ingenuity of Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel before he left for the Dolphins job, and the varied weapons that they had with Debo Samuel before Christian McCaffrey, now with Christian McCaffrey. There were a lot of other elite areas that covered up for what Jimmy G could not do. But I think under different circumstances, that Niner team only needed a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's, you know, Brock Purdy's a slightly better version of Jimmy G in terms of skill set and what he can do with the position. They don't need, it'd be nice, but they don't need a super elite quarterback to be as good as possible. But when he goes to Vegas, Garoppolo now, that's not that's not the setup. Yes, Devontae Adams is there, hopefully for Jimmy G's sake, that Josh Jacobs is happy and there for week one this year. But that Raider defense, and no one would argue this, is not the Niner defense, not even close. And the Raiders also find themselves in a division that is led by the Chiefs and is led by the Chiefs for the foreseeable future. Because... Patrick Mahomes certainly is going nowhere. Andy Reid is going nowhere in the near future. That front office led by Brett Veach continues to make smart moves, letting guys go, bringing guys in. The Chiefs are a machine, and there is no end in sight to that machine running on all cylinders. The Chargers still are the Chargers. From San Diego to L.A., it doesn't seem to matter. Justin Herbert's an elite quarterback. There's no doubt about that. What is Brandon Staley as a head coach? And can the Chargers ever not be the Chargers? How do they break that Charger mojo, which seems to be more negative than positive, to say the least? But at least to me, again, in theory, they're a better team than the Raiders. And then they're the Broncos with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and, you know, some good pieces. When they're healthy altogether, that's, there's some, there's some players who can do some things on the Broncos on defense as well. And, can absolutely create competition for the Raiders. I mean, a year ago, we were talking about all four of these teams with playoff expectations and saying, you know, someone by default is going to have to finish last in that foursome and not make the playoffs. Who's going to be the unlucky one? And then it ends up being that the Broncos were terrible and the Raiders had their own issues and the Chiefs ran away with things and the Chargers did the best they could to not be the Chargers as the season rolled on. So with the Raiders and Jimmy G, it's not the perfect scenario for what he can do. And I understand the history he's got with Josh McDaniels, and that certainly makes sense to a certain extent, but it can only take them so far. Plus, Josh McDaniels may not be a head coach. 
maybe a great offensive coordinator only, but may just not be cut out to be the lead voice for an organization. Which takes me back to Josh Jacobs. As I said at the top of the show, I understand the big conversation that we're having, and a lot of it is logical and um, can't really be explained away, or it just it is what it is. But these individual running backs are also, they're not created equal. Everybody's situation is different and in different, two different degrees connects to the bigger conversation of how much you should pay a running back, how long you should keep a running back on your roster. And like I said then, Saquon Barkley is not Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs is not Saquon Barkley. Here close to us with Barkley and the Giants, the Giants, to me, are a better team than the Raiders. In a tougher league, yes. Tougher conference, yes. But they're a better team than the Raiders. They are closer to the Super Bowl, to use a very broad stroke, than the Raiders are. Now, the last time I checked, Vegas and the books don't see a huge gap between these two in terms of odds to win the Super Bowl. They kind of live in the middle third of the NFL. I don't have... I guess my gap's a little bigger than that. To me, the Giants are better, and the Giants need Saquon Barkley to have the potential to be the second-best team in the NFC East and at least make the Eagles sweat things out. Now, the Eagles completely outclassed the Giants late last season. There's a gap between those two, to say the least. But the Giants are a good team, trending the right way, and Saquon Barkley is a key cog, if not the key cog, to that offense. So those negotiations are just about finding an agreed-upon value. The Giants want to pay Saquon Barkley. They want Saquon Barkley to be on their team. They just want to be at their number. Saquon Barkley is, is to me, just a negotiation. Much like Chris Jones is holding out in Kansas City because he makes X, but he wants Y, and the Chiefs would prefer to at least pay him X, if not their own different number. That's just about them figuring things out. To me, that's where the Giants and Barkley lie, even if Barkley has to at some point swallow his prod and show up and play for just $10 million on the franchise tag tender. There's a different wrinkle for me in Vegas with Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. One, as I mentioned last hour, it's the anger part, is that Jacobs is insulted by not having his fifth-year option picked up, which Barkley did. They dared him to be good, and he was great a year ago, and now they're daring him again to be great again instead of giving him anything more than a year commitment. So there's that. I think he's angrier, at least from the outside, he's angrier at the Raiders than Saquon is at the Giants. There's also the fact that the Giants, again, to me, are a better team with different expectations than the Raiders right now, and the Raiders can... There's a logic at play for Vegas that, to me, is less logical for the Giants. The Raiders could certainly start to skew towards the Vikings and Dalvin Cook and go, hey, it just doesn't make sense for us to pay you anything. Now, they're cool with $10 million, but if you're picking one of these teams to rescind the franchise tag and go, you know what? You want to find more money somewhere else? Be our guest. It's the Raiders and not the Giants. I don't think it's going to happen in either scenario. But if you had to pick one, I think that's slightly more in play in Vegas than it is in Jersey. But the Raiders have the ability, or at least, again, the line of thought to be like, you know, we're kind of a work in progress here. We're kind of spinning our tires. They they made some changes, obviously. They've, They've 
tweak some things on their roster to try and be better. Jacoby Myers is in. They had to bring in two tight ends. They got rid of Darren Waller, who is now a giant, by the way. But the Raiders are kind of in that weird limbo right now where they don't necessarily need to pay Josh Jacobs anything. So these conversations are different. And as far as the Raiders go with Jimmy G, I I do find myself, maybe because he's a friend of the show, selling us on being what an electrician. What was what did he what did he and his dad pitch? It was it was, was like that? Yeah. It, it was being like a, like trade work, right? Good people, exactly. Still came on the show when he was in the news in limbo with the Niners, which a lot of guys would have bailed on. Yeah, he didn't run from it. Did not run from it. He seems so, you know, as a good dude in that kind of radio vantage point. And I think there's a way for Jimmy G to be successful, but it's not with this Vegas team in 2023. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Phone lines that always are open. Uh, in a few minutes, I got to take you again back to Saturday night. Made my first trip to Fenway Park in more than a decade. Had my two kids with me, including my nine-year-old son, who, because he's nine and annoying, had to go to the bathroom more than once and couldn't line it up when dad had to go. So we were in and out of Fenway bathrooms all over the place. And I walked into a living DA show conversation about what you're allowed to do in a stall or not. It was a battle that divided us right down the middle, me and Pete versus DA and the other guy. And we never really forgave each other, worked that out. That divide still exists. We still have our strong opinions. It was front and center on Saturday, plus a new wrinkle thrown into the dynamic of, again, what you're allowed to do, what you should do, stall versus urinal. So we'll do that because why wouldn't we? Uh, After headlines, here's Emmanuel. Andrew in golf amid hecklers at Royal Liverpool. American Brian Harmon claimed his first major at the Open Championship, he did it in pretty dominant fashion, won by six strokes at 13-under. There were fleeting thoughts throughout the day, um, but I, I just I told myself I wasn't going to let I wasn't going to let any of that come into my brain. So anytime that it came, I just thought of something else, and uh, I didn't. I really, honestly, didn't think about winning until I had the ball in the green on 18. You buy that? You don't think about winning until the the 18th. Okay. I I think. Some of these guys can do things that we can't comprehend, right. like mentally. If you have that level of mental fortitude where you're about to win a major for the for the first time at age 36, yeah. and you don't think about the idea of victory until your final hole, you're on a completely different playing field right. than everyone mentally. Now, I guess what, what helps the cause in golf is that there's not a scoreboard everywhere. Right. So, you know, you can't avoid it in a stadium, in an arena. It's all over the place. Golf, there's not, I mean, I guess there's the guy walking with the little, so you can see the guys around you, you and your your partner score. Right. But you don't know what's going on around you. You can hear roars and whatnot, but it is a little easier to be ignorant, so to speak, playing golf than anything else. What probably helped him too, he had a five-stroke lead. Exactly, yeah. So he could have just told himself, I need to forget about this and just play a good round. Yeah. Maybe he thought about victory the day before, but How then once he was up by five, yeah. he's like, all right, I, I got to block this out. I think that's also a round-specific remark. He could have sat there eating his Wheaties in the morning going, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Right. What do I say? Yeah. Who do I thank? But then he gets to the course, and he goes, okay, now we just we Fresh just day. Yeah. That's it. Harmon was a 125-1 to underdog to win the Open heading in at 36 years old. Mentioned that. 
oldest first-time major winner since Sergio Garcia at the Masters in 2017. Baseball, some awesome finishes coming up, but first, two more players enshrined in Cooperstown yesterday, Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland, officially Baseball Hall of Famers. Kind of a story of two guys, great careers, but had to overcome a lot to get to this point. Roland makes it in his sixth year of eligibility. His name was first on the ballot in 2018 and got 10.2%. So that's the lowest initial percentage for a player who was eventually inducted. McGriff never received enough votes on the writer's ballot, but he was unanimously voted in during the winter's me- winter meetings in December, courtesy of one of the Hall of Fame's veteran committee. This means a lot to me. So I encourage you, whatever your dream is, to never give up. And always remember to stay true to who you are. McGriff hit 493 homers in his career. If not for the 1994 strike, he hits 500. So then it's a no-brainer. So I find this one interesting how he got in after 10 years on the ballot. I got to have a DA baseball hot take here for a second. (laughs) Because I'm usually the baseball defender. Right. I'm in the car with the family riding to Boston Friday. And I see the Baseball Hall of Fame Twitter account posts like arrival photos. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's that weekend? Like that, like yeah. how do we how do we get how do we get here with no fanfare? I gotta say, I was like surprised yesterday. I, right? I woke up, didn't see anything about it. Nothing. Then I saw the speeches on Twitter and then had to use it in the update, of course, today. Yeah. But, but there was no buildup. Like, like how did Hall of Fame weekend just pass and we we didn't really get any spark? I mean, and, and if you ask me when it was, I could tell you it's usually one of the last two weekends in July. It's generally this area. But like, and I watch baseball all of the time, whether it's Mets games, MLB Network, and I don't remember seeing anything. Like, yeah, it's Promo, on us. Like, it's coming up this weekend, but nothing. It's on us as baseball fans to know this is the time. But but then again, it, it shouldn't be on us. It, right. If you're an outsider and you want to know, that, that should be plopped they, in front of you. They need to start pairing it with something. They need to start pairing with a game. I agree. Whether it be like the, the Field of Dreams game and then right. they have it that weekend. They should have a game. There's like a double-day field right. at Cooperstown. They yeah. should do like a Field of Dreams game do there. Have, are the dimensions for that field... Like it would be a little league. they would they have some work to do, I think, to yeah. make that field good enough for a big league game. Yeah. But I think the dimensions are good enough. Like four hundred to center. It's good enough to do a game. I think people have suggested doing it in the all star break. Right. They do the draft during the all star break as well. Which which, which worked. That would yeah. be better Top than the all star game. Like you know, the day after the all star game, who you know, whoever has got to get to Cooperstown, get to Cooperstown and it do would it be that the, way. It would be during the middle of the week though. And that's a little different. I know it's summer, yeah. but I feel like the Hall of Fame weekend often feels like, oh, you go up Saturday while you don't have work. Or then do it that weekend at least. So the All-Star game could be like, hey, and don't forget Sunday afternoon, right. Roland McGriff, Cooperstown. Right. And make it a whole day, whole weekend yeah. where you have multiple things to look forward to instead of, oh, well, we just inducted two guys yesterday. Yeah, and they do, the they do a lot. So it does need to be a weekend. Yeah. So it can't be midweek, but maybe it's the week into or out of the All-Star break. So it's at least got that connection. But honestly, I, I do feel like we're starting to feel the effects of the steroid ever guys not getting in. Because, and guys who are not ho- are, are not shoo-in right, candidates. Like like Roland and McGriff are both controversial kind of picks. I right, mean, they're I, good. I, I, yeah, the, a lot of the, people would not have voted them. And McGriff was not voted into the Hall of Fame. It's weird because McGriff... And not to get too in the weeds here, but but he qualifies every metric aside from like 
okay, 94, he was robbed of the ability to get 500 home runs, which is like a benchmark, one of those old school benchmarks. Yeah. Roland is one of those new school guys where the numbers don't pop out at you. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer still. He had like a five to eight war every year, which is like Hall of Fame worthy. People just don't like to look at that. Yeah, he could be... Cardinals, Phillies, whoever you play for can put his number wherever they want. I just, I don't think he's a Hall But you mean to tell me, if we're going to look at this at the most mundane level, it's a baseball museum, and Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds aren't in it, right. and Scott Rowland right. is. Yeah. That's a problem. You can't tell, the story of the Hall of Fame is you can't tell the story of the game without these players. Right. Yeah. And you can't tell the game, the story of the game, without Barry Bonds, A-Rod, Roger Clemens, all those guys. Pete right? Rose, all, all these yes. guys. But you, you don't do need Scott Rowland for you that. Need, right. You or don't. Harold Baines. Exactly. You don't. And, and Rowland had a great career, don't get me wrong, but but does it It pales in comparison to these other and, guys. And, yes. and there's too many committees, there's too many people involved, it should be, there should be I think football gets it right. I've said this before. They should have a similar system of football, and I think it would take care of all the ills. I think we're in agreement here. And as for the actual baseball, just a couple of headlines here to wrap up. Orioles, that statement series win in Tampa, take three out of four, five, three, the final. And another one, big, Shohei Otani hitting his 36th homer, Angels seven, Pirates five. Is that Otani's last home game? That was the last Angels home game before the trade deadline. I... No, I think they're they're winning just enough because they don't want to trade them. So as long as they have a pulse, they're going to keep them. I'm going to say and it, they've got a pulse. I'm going to say it is because someone in that front office has to understand that they got to be a little smart about this. I'd be criminal if they don't get a return for him and then lose him in the off season. I, they should go get a return and try to sign him. That that would be my philosophy. Yeah. Try say, hey, look, we're going to trade you. We we have we want to get some uh, some weapons. For next season, and then try to resign you. Right. All the money he's making them right now, too. I don't think the Angels have an excuse not to offer him. But I don't. I don't. Worth. I don't think They're he's not going gonna to sign it. No. I don't think he wants to be an Angel anymore. He's a Dodger. So I think they know that, and they apparently will refuse to trade him there. Right. That's Ari Reno's new stance. He can't be a Dodger. Which I sort of get. That's like the Yankees not wanting to trade somebody to the Mets. Well, except, though, if he's, he can sign with the Dodgers in Yankees. four months, if the Dodgers have the best package, you can eat these extra two months of him as a Dodger right now. Yeah, it's like swallow your pride and realize he's exactly. going there. Right. And then, like, okay, we'll, we'll gladly take the Dodgers. top. Exactly. They, they do that better than we do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, <clear laughs> know, we system. know that. Right. Okay, clear clear out, out the like system that. of your big brother. Yeah, look at it like that. You're clearing out their farm system that, uh, for uh, possibly a rental player. Right, and maybe guys who make you good. Yep. Faster than you normally would. All right. All right, thanks, E-Man. Uh, so when we come back, the much ballyhooed Fenway Park bathrooms, as only we can do it on the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. One eight hundred eight million. What do you mean eight million? What eight hundred eight million? That's what I read. Um, I don't write them. I just read them. It's the phone number. D A on CBS Sports Radio. It is the phone number. We crushed them for that read, and it is one eight hundred million. They were right. We were wrong. Then we didn't apologize. Ow. Exactly. Ow. Ow. So my wife's a for many reasons, a wonderful woman. And last year, she took us to Wrigley Field to see the Mets and the Cubs. This year, she goes, hey, we're going to Fenway to see Mets and Red Sox. Awesome. It was this weekend that just passed. Didn't go well for the Mets. 
Saturday night, we're at the game. And again, my nine-year-old son and me could not line up our bathroom trip. So we made, I think, three, four maybe different parts of the ballpark, different bathrooms, got the full Fenway Park experience. As I walk into one, I'll be honest, in general, great places for stadium bathrooms, no lines, no terrible gross stuff. Walk right in one time, and the guy in front of me makes a decision. As if sent by somebody in charge, Pete, he walks in, the room opens up, urinals left, stall right, and he kind of looks. Everything, there's there's open spots. Nothing is Mm -hmm. dealer's choice. And he goes in the stall, leaves the door open, and does does number one. Which is basically what where we had this crazy divide over right. what you're allowed to do. And I'll be honest, for a second, I went, huh. Went in the urinal. All right. Interesting choice. But it's his choice, which was at least my point back That's in the right. day, is that you can do what you want in either version of the bathroom. Yeah. I Look, look how many times that there is... I, this was an argument I never got. Uh, why Why those two had to get all wrapped up and you have to go here? Like, like there could be a time where you go, where you are looking to go number one and something else happens and you have to change course. Absolutely. And also, I think the bigger thing is privacy matters. If you don't want to stand up against a porcelain bowl against the, up against the wall... In full view of everybody else, you're allowed to go and get some privacy with some three or four walls around you. Damn right. Even if somebody's waiting to do number two, you can go do number one where you want. It's America, Pete. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.